Well, good morning. So I uh, trust you had a great break, a good time over Christmas and New Year's there, hopefully getting away, getting some time with family and uh, and uh, relaxing a little bit. We're off to the new year. It's 2012. I can't tell you how many times I've already written 2011 on different pieces of paper. It's 2012 and here we go, right? So uh, a couple weeks, about a week and a half back, our family decided to take a little getaway uh, over the break. We decided to go skiing. Get a little skiing getaway. We've done that uh, two or three times in our lives, and it didn't go well before. You know what I'm saying? Skiing is one of those trips that can be a total blast, or you can have your kids face down in the snow crying with the skis going all directions, and you're trying to figure out how to even salvage this thing. You know what I mean? And uh, we've had a few of those moments in the past with the little ones when we've tried it. And so this time they were a little older and we thought, let's go after it and let's make sure we really learn how and have a great time doing it. And and uh, so we went up north to a, a slope that's got a lot of beginner slopes. And, and uh, okay, so the plan was train well. You know what I'm saying? Like you are not released to the slopes till you know what you're doing. You know, that kind of thing. So we got out there and uh, the first game plan was, do you know how to put on your boot? Okay, and getting that thing on and getting it attached down to the right level and, and got that and then, and then getting snapped into the skis and getting that done and, okay, and so then here's how you use the poles to move and, and when you're going uphill, like, that doesn't go well, you'll go downhill pretty fast, so if you're gonna be going uphill, here's how you do that and teaching them that and, oh, if you fall, here's how you're gonna have to learn to get up, okay, and, okay, so we got all that done, now we're, now we're off the flat ground, you know what I mean? So now we get up on the little bunny hill, and, and luckily the place we were at had one of those magic carpets, you know, the little rubberized carpet that kind of moves like an escalator. Those things are awesome. Those ropes that, from the past, you know what I'm talking about, where you lean and you grab on the rope and it burns your gloves to nothing and it rips your coat up? Those were wonderful, yeah. So the, now we're on the magic carpet, we get to the top, and we're teaching them how to do this, just a little bit of skiing, which is, you know, for those of you who know, you're like, yeah, no duh, but the snow plow, the V, I heard these guys crying out, pizza, don't forget your pizza, right? Like get the, the V shape to your skis, so your toes are pointed in a little, and your heels are kicked out, and so we were teaching that then, right? And And here's the mistake we made the last time, like when you're doing that skiing, and you've got that down, that doesn't mean you can stop. Okay, and it seems like you can because you're stopping on a bunny hill that's shaped pretty much like a flat ground. But but when you actually get on a little bigger hill, you know how to turn and you just kind of keep turning and keep going faster and faster. And then you try to turn back and then it, and that's when the nasty wipeout occurs. So this time it was, you need to show me you can kick some snow up out of that thing. I need to see snow flying off the back of the hill. I need to see you stop. Get going as fast as you can and stop. Once you got that, then you're cool. And so Alyssa comes back and she's like, is it good enough? And I'm like, not enough snow, you know? So we did that for a few more times. And by the time we got that nailed, it took us about 45 minutes or so to feel really comfortable with where we were at. They'd learned fast. Then we jumped up onto the hills. And I'm telling you, we did greens and blues. We had a great day all day long skiing and, and uh, enjoying the time. Megan went and did her first black. Megan had a good time. Jana took her over to the blacks while I stayed with Alyssa. And just a nice time skiing. I'm telling you what made it nice was the planning and the training. We've done it without the training. It's not nice, okay? It works out really well to know where you're going and know what you're doing and go after it that way. Hey, that's what we're gonna be talking about in the sermon series, is how do I live life? How do I go after life with some planning and with some training? How do I put the basics in place so that I can prioritize and make sure that I'm not laying face down in this world crying? 
Okay, that's where we're going. Is Lord help me prioritize biblically? And we're going to go to the book of Colossians to do that. All right, we're going to use Colossians and we're going to walk through all four chapters of that. I'm excited about this. Uh, it's a great book. It's a powerful book written by Paul. The first week here, Colossians chapter one, one through fourteen, is going to answer us a question for us, which is, what should we value first? And the answer is, value the gospel. First and foremost, value the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk a lot today about why, okay? Valuing the gospel. That's where we're going to head. How and why do I do that? All right. So turn with me, if you will, to Colossians 1. We got ushers coming forward. They got some Bibles in their hands. So if you need one, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. We're walking through this verse by verse. So you'll definitely want one, okay? Colossians 1, prioritizing. So how do I prioritize the gospel first and foremost and value the gospel? First, recognize it brings life. Life. So place your trust and your will in Jesus, the giver of life and deliverer of love. The giver of life and deliverer of love. Place your trust and your will in him. We better make sure that gospel is having an impact in our lives, okay? So let's just walk through this a little bit here. Colossians 1. He says... Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So we have two authors to this book, Paul and Timothy, and they're collaborating and they're putting together their information. Paul defines himself. I'm an apostle. Hey, that's kind of an important word. He's like, just so you know, you need to listen to me. That's what it means. Apostle. Like, I've got some authority here. Yeah, who says you have that authority, Paul? By the will of God. Like, God's placed me in this position. You wouldn't believe the experiences I have. And, yeah, I'm in charge. Okay? Paul, an apostle of of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. He's a believer. He's growing in Christ. And he guessed what's going on. And between the two of us, we've got some things to say for you, Church of Colossae. It says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. To the saints. Did you know that? Every single believer is a saint. Let that settle. So for those of us who've come from other church backgrounds where only unique individuals are claimed saint, actually every believer is a saint, not because of their own unbelievable good works, but because we're clothed with Christ's righteousness. We're saints in him because of what he's done for us. Saints and faithful brothers, you're following Christ, and I'm excited about it. That's what Paul's saying in Christ Jesus at Colossae. Now, don't forget Colossae. Remember, we just went through these letters to the churches in Revelation, right? And one of them we went through was Laodicea. And Laodicea, if you recall, had the whole, right, the, you've got the water I want to spit out of my mouth. Just be hot or cold. Well, Colossae was one of those that was close by, and Hierapolis was the other one. So Colossae, this is a church that's close by Laodicea. They're known for their cold water springs. They're known for their, actually their great business. There was some huge things going on. It was a kind of a thriving city. There was a lot taking place. In fact, so much taking place that there was a ton of heresy going on. Colossae was really wrestling with priorities and preeminence. And uh, they ended up with some big philosophy problems. They did not know which way was really even up. And so Paul wrote this letter to help them prioritize their values. Colossae, that's who he's writing to. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 
Grace, you know, that thing that you get that you don't deserve, and peace, the result of having God in your life. He's saying, I hope and my prayer for you is that God impacts you by his very presence in your life. Here's some things I've got for you. Here we go. You ready? Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God. I got to tell you, all too often, this is what we practice in prayer. Lord, please help me to... God, will you please give me? Lord, could you please change the circumstances so that? And what we're missing, actually, is a large part of prayer needs to be, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in so-and-so's life, for what you're doing in my friend's life, for what you're doing in my family's life, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you, Lord, for what you provided for me through Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for each day that I have in you. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing how those words, thank you, stop you in your tracks, force you to set down the wonderful tray of complaining that we love to carry around. You know what I'm saying? Set that down on the table and start lifting up our hands and celebrate them. We thank God often. Hey, there were a lot of problems in Colossae. That's why he's writing the letter. He could have started out. Colossae. I had to pick up this pen and talk to you because of all your problems. You ticked me off. Here's a few things I have for you, right? That's not what he does, right? I want you to understand I'm thanking God for what's going on there. There's some amazing things taking place. All too often, we actually feel like we're being um, untrue or unreal if we see a problem, but we're trying to be thankful for nuances of what's going on in the midst of the problem. That's not what the Bible teaches. Really, it's check what God's doing and be amazed with it and thank God for his work in it. There's stuff to still be done. Don't worry. We recognize nothing's perfect and God's working. But wow, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Okay? Thankfulness. It's a huge part of embracing God and his gospel. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Uh, some of the translations, actually one of the translations, puts the word always with the word pray there as if they're always praying. And we actually don't see that in this passage. And in fact, if you look at the original manuscripts, the always is with the word thank. Always thank while we're praying. Actually, we'll find out that he prays without ceasing in a little bit. That's in a different spot. Okay. But just so you know, it is we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, we lift you up. Did you know that? It's a good idea to pray for those around you. Did you know that? It's a good time to say, yeah, we knew that. Go ahead. Did Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, we knew that. Good. Do that. Pray for those around you. Honestly saying, Lord, what could I do to be a part of it? And thank you for what's going on there. And Lord, how could I be of more assistance there? And what do you want done? And thank you, God, for what you are doing. And please help them with and pray for them. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for this church. Notice what they're praying and thanking God for. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Since we heard of your faith and your love. Like this is what we, this is what's amazing. Is you've got a faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to have a faith in him? Okay, it means that your head is engaged. Like you've grasped the truth. You do have an understanding of him. And you know, and you and, and in the midst of knowing, you get more. Okay, so you have this head that's involved, but that's not all it is. And oftentimes we stop with it being some kind of cognitive ascent. 
some mental gyration. Do you have faith? I think about them a lot like that. You know what I'm saying? That's not faith. Okay. Faith is more than that. It's also the heart. It's this whole emotional and, and total internal being along with it. That's going, that's following. And so it's more than just some, I believe there was a Jesus and I believe he died on the cross and I believe he's willing to replace my, my payment that I owe. And yeah, I sure, I'm sure that's true. It's more than just that. It's, and, and it's amazing that he's willing to apply it to me. There's like this emotional stir, this willingness to embrace it yourself and say, thank you, God, for that. But it's even more than that. It's, and now it'll affect my feet and my hands and my mouth and my thinking. Like real faith, it's, it's head, heart, and will all in. It's, Lord, I hear you and I'm responding to you. He's saying this church at Colossae, you've got that going on. There are people there who are on fire for Christ and they're growing in him. When you have a faith like that, you'll have a love for those around you. Right? We heard this when we went through the book of 1 John. I mean, how many times did we hear it? I think he said it four or five times of, of just so you know, those who love God will love those around them. Like, like a real, you have a real faith. And how do I know? Because you're really loving the people around you. I'm in awe of what God is doing. There's a faith and there's a love. And they reach out with this love for a reason. And he says right after it, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The motivation that we have to love others is not that we were told to do so. The motivation that we have to love others is that we're in awe of what God is doing for us. We're in awe of the provision made available for us, the eternity set before us, the heaven with him, all perfection for all of time. Wow. You gave that to me, Lord? I'm in awe. And now we turn and we share that with the person next to us. We know we found someone who's tasted of love because they're sharing of love. That's what he's saying. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the Bible, the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel has come to you. And we're going to camp on this word gospel for just a second here, okay? He's saying, I want you to understand the gospel has rocked your world as it came to you through the scriptures. People made clear to you the truth of Jesus Christ and it's bearing fruit and growing as it does also among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth just as you learned it from Epaphras. There's this guy named Epaphras. He's the church planter in Colossae. And he brought the truth of Jesus Christ through scripture. And it was changing people's lives as they began to grasp God Almighty. Maybe for the first time, for many of them, they were seeing a bearing of fruit and a growing in this gospel, this good news. Something that we need to value with all we have. Well, what is this gospel? I mean, it's one word thrown in here. What's Paul trying to say with it? What's it mean? Gospel. Well, here's used in a couple other spots. Romans 1, 16, the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel brings a saving of you and me. 1 Corinthians 15, well, what exactly is it that we're needing to embrace? 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says in verses 1 through 6, let me remind you of the gospel I preached. 
of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised again on the third day according to the scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas and the twelve and by more than 500. The gospel. We serve a God who came and lived among us, who lived, who died on the cross, who rose again three days later, who was witnessed to have risen from the dead. Many others rising at the same time put the whole place in shock. That's our God. Amen. The gospel. Jesus Christ come for you and me. Dead but risen. Life provided. When did he do that? Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel, we absolutely see it all over scripture. Hebrews 10, 12, I love this. But when Christ had offered for all, to, for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at God's right hand. The gospel, there is but one way and one payment. It's Jesus Christ and him alone. And he's made that payment for you and for me. We have a God who loves us so richly and so deeply. He's come in and stormed this place for us with absolute humility and payment. Wow. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel, it's an amazing word. You know, I looked up the gospel and it was abutted to a bunch of other words. The gospel of. This is uh, what I found throughout scripture. The gospel of peace. Ephesians 6. The gospel of God. Who owns it? God himself. The gospel of Christ. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of your salvation. This one I love. The gospel of the glory of our blessed God. The gospel. It's good news. It's amazing. It's life-changing. We have nothing without it. We have everything with it. Praise be to God. Amen? And our answer is, what should we be valuing first and foremost? The word is the gospel. The word is what? The gospel. Say it with all you got. I need to value what? That's what we're talking about as we go out today. Lord, help me value your gospel, the good news of you. For me, the gospel, the gospel in three words, him for me, him for me, the gospel in three words. It's pretty easy. If you want to be sharing with somebody what the good news of Jesus Christ is, it's just three words, him for me, two words, substitutionary atonement, right? There's the big theological element, substitutionary, like in place of. An atonement to bring me to you once and for all, completely restored. Substitutionary atonement. In one word, forgiven. The gospel. We have an amazing privilege of being with our God. I would say it this way. Four necessary elements to the gospel. We need to understand this if we're going to grasp the gospel, all right? Four necessary elements. First, we better grasp this. God is stunning, amazing, perfect, holy. There is none like him. He is absolutely incredible. When we abs- when we get even the simplest glimpse of, a- glimpse of him, it literally will change your life for all of eternity. 
God is amazing. That's the first point. And we better grasp it in the gospel. We have an amazing king and he's glorious. Second point, we're not. Do you know that? Like we're not glorious. I know we spend all day every day trying to prove we are, right? When we try to prove how much we know and how much we've accomplished and how much others need to need us and how much we do well and what our skill sets are. And I don't know why we run around so essentially driven to try to prove how glorious we are. The quite, quite frankly, the scriptural position is, well, there is none righteous. Nope, not one. Romans 3.10. That's what it says. We better grasp it with all we have. I mean, we better get this simple statement down. I've got nothing on my own that allows me to stand before the grandeur of that king. Are you hearing me? When we think our holiness gets us before God, I can tell you this. You think too much of your holiness and too little of God's. Are you hearing that? Let that settle. God's holiness and ours. I can't get down low enough. My arms aren't long enough. You know what I'm saying? Like the grandeur of that almighty king. And our shortcoming. I was listening to a, a couple of different things this week, and I love this phrase. The guy said, this is from Matt Chandler, he said, uh, you know, we're very willing to accept that sin, that our mistakes, the, the junk we do wrong is like filthy rags before God. It's evil. It's dark. It's like it's missed the mark. And right. We know those statements for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we'll talk about how our sin has missed the mark. We get that, but let this settle. Isaiah, even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Like we literally stand completely bankrupt before him. Absolutely nothing that we have can say, I'm good enough to stand before you for all of eternity. Nothing puts us there. The gospel message is the God of this universe absolutely holy and perfect and us, even in our goodness, filthy rags. You know, the stuff where you're like, should throw it away. That's where we stand. Those are the first two points of the gospel and they're pretty sobering. Amazing God, not so amazing us. Okay. Third point. But Christ, Christ is our savior. There's a solution. He's willing to make a replacement payment for us. Christ is our savior. We've got a God who literally offers forgiveness. He offers forgiveness. Now, don't make the mistake. The forgiveness is offered, but there is a receiving that needs to take place. There is us saying, Lord, I'm done with where I was and I'm going after you. I can trust my life to you. I believe in who you are. Please take me where I am. I'm running after you. We trust him. We believe in him. We ask him to forgive us of our sins and literally change us right there into a new creation. We have the chance to have a savior replace what we owe. Remember, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's not a thing we can do to replace what we owe, which is eternal separation. But Christ has the solution in himself. He lived a perfect life and his shed blood on the cross is a replacement payment for you and for me. Praise be to God. The fourth element of the gospel is the promise of eternity. 
absolute restoration to perfection. We will spend eternity with him if we've trusted in him as our savior. If we're believing in him as our God and our king. As we say, Lord, please forgive me. Replace what I owe. May my feet and my hands, may my will and my body follow after you to lift you up and thank you with all I've got. And here's the beauty. As you continue to change me from one degree of glory to another and eventually even up into perfection as I live in perfection before you, all your work and none of mine, absolutely bankrupt. And I get all of that. You're kidding me. Welcome to the gospel. That's why we should value it. I mean, you think about it. How often do we live our daily lives where we start thinking, I don't know, I'm pretty good. You wouldn't believe what I accomplish. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm down here, but quite frankly, you need to think of me up here like this. This is a little more who I am, right? And we start talking high of ourselves and we start talking maybe a little less about God and his greatness and All of a sudden, the value of the gospel falls and the value of us raises. Hey, don't try to raise your own equity. Let God's equity be your your paramount, your goal, your focus. May he be lifted up with all you've got. May he be glorified in all you have. The value of the gospel. Absolutely paramount in your life. You know, let's picture it this way. I'm just going to say this. Let's be really careful here, okay? We talk about the gospel and we talk about salvation and it's easy to say, yeah, I hear you, I know, blah, 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 I get it. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, let's move on. And quite frankly, what we've tended to do is we may be that person that says, oh, you want to offer me forgiveness? I'll take a little of that, bring it over here. You can set that down right there, thanks. Right? They're like, hey, just so you know, I'm going over here now. What are you going to do over there? This is me world. It's kind of all about me over here. And I'm going to embrace this and it's going to feel good and it's going to make me feel good about me. And I'm going to be bragging and I am going to be gossiping and I might be involved in all kinds of of sexual exploits and who knows whatever. But it's all about me feeling good about me. Well, what about this thing over here? I took it. I set it down in the chair over there. Well, did it ever change anything in your life? Have you ever been impacted by that in any way? Not so much. Dude, be careful. That's not salvation. That really really scares me how many are claiming saved because they've said i'll take a little of that you can set it down over there instead of saying lord you've got my attention like i'm i'm acting in a completely different way because of who you are and what you've done for me maybe another way to think about it some think of it this way you know it's like the truck that's dropping off the black dirt in the backyard and you're like bring it over here and you can hear it beeping as Christ backs up with the little forgiveness truck, right? You're like, lay it out here. And he spreads it out all over. And you're like, you're kind of directing. You're in charge. You know, put it over here. Put a little there. Put a little here. That's good. Thanks. You can leave now. Right? Like somehow we're still in control of the whole thing. Okay, here's the real word picture. This is what it really looks like. You're face down in the mud, in the muck of life. Lifeless, breathless, dead. Ephesians 2. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Absolutely no ability to ask for a thing or look for a thing dead without him. 
And the king of the universe, not coming in according to your command, but literally stooping down and lifting you up and breathing in the very life of him. And as you take in who he is and begin to respond to him, you have everything because of him. You have nothing without him. Total bankruptcy. Now everything. Lifeless. Now life. That's salvation. Now you experience, you experience that, and I'm telling you, you're not doing the, yeah, it's over there in the corner. You're doing the, it's gonna affect every step of my life. Well, what about work today? You know it'll affect work. I'm going to act differently here, and I'm gonna talk differently here, and I'm gonna share differently here, and well, what about with your family? Are you kidding? Of course my family. And well, what about when you are looking to spend some time somewhere, and how you might spend it? And of course I'm gonna spend a little time with the one who just sacrificed everything for me, and took me from nothing to, Something. Wow. Praise be to God. That's the gospel. And we need to respond to him with all we've got. Amen. We need to value the gospel with all we've got. Here's what I'm going to ask. Let's just take a moment here in application time. Let's just bow our heads right here. You might be in a spot where you're saying... I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I haven't done this. I haven't responded to him this way. I haven't given him my whole. And, and I've done more of the, yeah, thanks, and walked away. And Or maybe I didn't even know what he did for me. Let's just take a moment here where you can offer up to him your life. Now, hear me. It's not some magic words, and it's not a prayer. It's not just, yeah, I, I said something at some point to him, but it's, Lord, I'm actually responding to you. Please affect my head and my heart and my will. But let's just take some time right here. If you want to commit yourself to him right now, you might want to say something like this. You can just quote after me. Say quietly where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me. I've gone my own way done my own thing. I know that before you, I've missed the mark of what you've intended. Lord, please forgive me for where I'm at. Please use your shed blood on the cross to replace what I owe. I'm looking for you to be my king, my God. I'm ready to give you my head and my heart my will. Lord, I want you to have all of me. I'm all in. May I value your gospel like never before. As I see you as the God who's given me something when I had nothing. In your mighty name, I pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Just keep your head bowed right now. You know, you might have already trusted in Christ and you're like, okay, that's great. What about me where am i at what should i be doing and maybe this is a time for you to say lord it's time for me to act out the gospel may it impact me like never before just take a moment with them to share that thought god i hear you thank you for what you've done for me you are my king giving you my all Father, we just take this time to lift us all up before you. We need you. 
Lord, we're in awe of you. We're shaped by you. We're changed by you. We're nothing without you. We're everything with you. Please forgive us for our daily walkaways and for our not figuring it out and not being in perfection. Lord, change us in the moment. May we each day be more like you. We look excitedly to you changing us. And man, do we look forward to that twinkling of an eye change where we are glorified for all eternity to celebrate you with eyes wide open. We praise your name. You are our king. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Man, man, may we never walk past the gospel. Amen. I see the word gospel. I stop and drop. You hear me? All right. Notice uh, what he just says in verse nine. Now, next point. What do we do with the gospel to value it? Wisdom. Long for the knowledge of his will so that you may live for his glory. Long for the knowledge of his will so that you may live for his glory. And so. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. Remember I told you we'd hear about the not ceasing? So here you go. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What a great prayer. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled, you know, like all the way to the top and spilling over. Absolutely no more could be fit in. Complete understanding of his will. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, seriously, a knowledge of his will? Isn't that something we long for? I mean, we're trying to choose schools or we're trying to choose jobs or we're trying to choose a spouse or we're trying to choose our kid's spouse and they don't want to hear from us or when we're trying to choose things and, and, and trying to figure out what God has in store and, and man, wouldn't it be great to have a filled knowledge of his will? Where is God working and how is he working and what does he want accomplished and Lord, what can I do to make sure you're glorified? The beauty is that when you get the knowledge of his will, you get wisdom and you get understanding that come along with it. When you meet someone who really grasps how to work within this world, they've got great wisdom. They got a strong understanding of God's will going on in the middle of that. Spiritual wisdom and understanding comes with it. Uh, I wrote this down. Wisdom, knowledge applied. That's wisdom. It's like, I know. Yeah, but dude, are you doing anything with it? Right? If you don't apply it, it isn't wisdom. Okay. Knowledge applied. Here's another phrase. J.I. Packer wrote this. It's the power to see, so you grasp it, and the inclination to choose, so it affects your will, the best and highest goal, together with the surest means of attaining it. Like you see it, you want it, and you know how to get their best. J.I. Packer, that's wisdom, okay? And that's knowing God's will. What a great privilege we have to be able to understand. I've noticed it says, why should we have those things? Why was he praying for it? So as to, see the purpose statement? So as to, look for those words when you're reading scripture. Words like for or because or so as to, right? In order to affect this, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Why? Fully pleasing to him. There you go. The gospel given to us. May we respond to him in a way that fully pleases him. How? By knowing his will and walking in it. By being able to follow where he wants us to go. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Longing for this knowledge. Longing for this understanding and this will. It's an amazing privilege to know him. Looks something like this. Socrates had a man approach him and say, I want to know about knowledge. I want more knowledge. 
And Socrates said, really? You could kind of tell that the man knew who Socrates was and he was just trying to suck up. And so he walked over and he put his hand on his shoulder and he leaded him, led him along as they walked a little bit. And he said, what do you want? And he said, I really want knowledge. And he said, really? And he said, yes. So he took him by the neck and he shoved his head down into a trough of water sitting right there. And he held him underwater and, and he held him for 10 and 20 and 30 seconds. And all of a sudden he saw the air bubbles coming out like he was beginning to start to gasp. And he pulls him up and you could hear him gasping and the water's running down. What do you want? I want knowledge. Puts him under again. And he's like gasping again. You see the air bubbles after 30, 40 seconds. He pulls him up. What is it you're looking for? I'm looking for knowledge. Puts him under again. This time he holds him 30 and 40, 50 seconds. And he sees the air bubbles and he pulls him up and he goes, what do you want? The guy knocks away and he's like, I just want air, okay? He's like, when you want knowledge as much as you just wanted air, that's when you'll start growing. Yikes. I don't think I want to be taught by Socrates anytime soon, but... (laughs) But I'm telling you, powerful message. How often do we say we want to know the will of God? And then we just go off and do our own thing anyway. Are we really putting forth the effort and the longing and the desire to truly see what he wants from his word and respond to him and follow him? The knowledge of his will in full spiritual wisdom and understanding that he might be pleased as we walk in a manner worthy of him. It's a great opportunity for us to long for him and to long for his knowledge. Here's my question. Are you doing that? Are you waking up each day saying, Lord, what do you want done? Lord, who do you have for me today to talk to? What change do you have to be done in my life today? Lord, I want to know where you want me to go. Lord, I want to know what you want me to know. Teach me. Teach me from your word. Thank you for the life you've given me in your gospel. Now bring me the truth of living with you today. That's where we need to be. Okay? So first comes life. Second comes wisdom with the gospel. And last comes power. Power comes with the gospel. Follow God with all he has given you. And he will lovingly empower you all the more. Follow God with all he has given you, and he will lovingly empower you all the more. You know, the thing that probably concerns me most about the Christian walk is that all too often I see people trying to change, and they're frustrated. They're not changing. They they say they want to change. They're hurting greatly, and, and they desire the change and the transformation, but it just doesn't seem to be coming. And it's subtle. It's, it's hard to figure out what we're holding on to and not holding on to. If we really want power, if we really want change, what do we need to know? Check it out. Verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. All right, let's break it down. May you be strengthened with all power. Like, may you be pumped up. May you be enabled and made capable of doing something you before weren't capable of doing. Yesterday, I couldn't. Today, I can. Right? Strengthened. According to his glorious might. According to whose glorious might? That's weak. According to whose glorious might? Okay. According to whose glorious might? 
And it, it's not my glorious might, right? Right? Just turn to the person next to you and say, not mine. Go ahead and turn back and say, not yours either. Right? His, right? His glorious might. That's what we're missing. Where's the change in my life? Well, you're trying to do it according to your glorious might. Newsflash, it ain't that glorious. Right? That's what's going on. What we're doing is we're literally trying to transform from one degree of glory to another in our own humanity. It doesn't work. That's not the game plan that God has for us. He's saying that we're transformed by his glorious might. I'm telling you this. You can see people who can muster up some serious self-discipline, but it will come up short. You can see people muster up some serious self-denial and some ability to, on the surface, look very polished in their loving, ing, described actions. But inside, we do not have an actual fruit of the spirit going on. Actual life change. Sin being extracted out. You looking literally more like him. You wanting that, hungering for that, and desiring that so that you are absolutely like him, not just in that moment happened to represent something that was close to his facsimile. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's what Christianity is for too many of us. We literally walk through life trying to say, I hope I can act like him today. We're missing it. We're called to, I hope I can be transformed today and letting go of this little piece so that when I am transformed, there's never to be visiting that again. God changed me once and for all in that area. Victory had. I'm moving through. It's his glorious might at work in us. And what comes with that? Endurance, patience, joy. Endurance. Like I'm telling you, if you're doing it this way, you won't burn out. Let that settle for a little. How often do we get frustrated as we're wrestling through something? That's a good indicator that you're doing it with your own strength. Endurance. Patience. Not capping off. Not quitting. Frustration. Patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy. The product and the presence of God in your life. If you're missing a joy, if you're missing a patience and an endurance... We need to help you start trying to find his glorious might and a little less of your less glorious might. Know what I'm talking about? That's what we're talking about here. Life change where he's working in us. And the beauty of it is then we can give thanks, as Paul's saying here, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Notice, we didn't qualify ourselves. Gospel message again, right? Who has qualified you. Only because of him are we qualified for any of this. God pouring over us life and wisdom and power. And then I love this. You want to summarize the gospel in one verse? Look at verse 13 and 14 here. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Gospel message. Pulled us up from the muck of sin. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the gospel. That's what we're talking about. Like, may we value that which will absolutely rock our world. Lord, I haven't lived that way before. I've been living in the me world where I appreciate you and I've got some life change going on, but I got a lot of me plans going on. Lord, this week, I want to experience your life and your wisdom and your power. 
I want to experience a change in me and a victory in me like never before. Why? So that I might walk in a manner worthy of you, that you might be pleased, that God gets the glory. Amen? Value the gospel. That's what it looks like. Embrace him with all you have. Make it a daily, regular occurrence as you value the most powerful life change in your experience ever that God might be glorified. He is our everything and we have nothing without him. Amen. We have everything with him. What do we have with him? We have what without him? Man, that's what we need to grasp as we go out this week. Let me pray.